You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We'll be in Jeremiah chapter 9 tonight. Notice with me, if you would, verse number 9. We'll pick up where we left off last week. Verse 9. Shall I not visit them for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? Verse 10. For the mountains will I take up a weeping and wailing, and for the habitations of the wilderness a lamentation. Because they are burned up so that none can pass through them, neither can men hear the voice of the cattle, both the fowl of the heavens and the beast are fled, they are gone. And I will make Jerusalem heaps and a den of dragons, and I will make the cities of Judah desolate without an inhabitant. Lord, help us as we look at your word. I pray that we would be encouraged and helped. And Lord, as we look at a very uh, dark day, in the nation of Judah, I pray we would be reminded that it did not have to be that way. Lord, if they would have just simply turned back to you, if they would have just gotten right with you, if they would have uh, confessed their sins, Lord, they would have realized that you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. But Lord, may we learn from their example. May we not follow in the path that they took, but may we uh, follow in the path that Jeremiah presented the path of repentance and the path of, uh, of turning back to God. Help us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week as we started chapter 9, it's not a brand new message. It's a continuation from Jeremiah's message beginning in chapter 7. He was preaching at the gate of the temple. As God's people were coming to worship, Jeremiah was preaching a message from God for a people that were, were backsliding. They were wandering from God. We looked at the weeping in verse 1. And Jeremiah uh, had tears. He had brokenness. He had compassion. We saw in this uh, passage how that there was deceit. Uh, God's people, their tongue, the Bible says, their tongues were like arrows. And uh, we talked about how, that, uh, how we must be so careful with the words that we speak. Just like arrows, you wouldn't be flippant with where you were shooting an arrow. You'd be very careful, it'd be on purpose, it'd be at an intended target in a particular place. Be very careful the words you speak. Did you know your words could encourage somebody to live for God? Your words could discourage somebody from living for God? Now, we're all going to stand before the Lord and we're all going to give an account for ourselves. But I tell you this, I don't want to stand before the Lord knowing that I was a discouragement to people knowing that I was lying about people, I was gossiping, I was criticizing, I was negative. I'd like to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and know that I've done my best to be a blessing, to, to know that I've done my best to help people. And I've tried to share the gospel. And I've tried to do the things that God would have me to do. Be very careful. Choose your words very carefully. And then we said, tell the truth. Just, just, just tell the truth. It's not that complicated. Uh, lying lips are an abomination to God. God's people were deceitful. They were treacherous. They were, uh, uh, were using their, their mouths to hurt one another. We get to verse number nine, and the question is asked, shall I not visit them for these things? Two weeks ago, I preached uh, on Sunday night from the book of Psalms, and in uh, the book of Psalms, the question is asked, what is man? 
that thou art mindful of him, and the Son of Man that thou visitest him. Remember that verse, Psalm 8, 4? Now, the word visit in Jeremiah 9 is very different from the word visit in Psalm 8. The word uh, visit in Psalm 8 means to care for or to attend to the needs. This word is a different word. This word visit is the word to punish. It'd be like this. If I told you, and this would be a true statement, I had a nice visit with a police officer. I have had nice visits with police officers. And it would be a friendly visit. A, hey, how are you doing? That's a good kind of visit. I've also had visits. Uh, I shouldn't say plural. I've had a visit, singular, from a police officer that came to my house in the middle of the night as a protector. That's a good visit. When you're in trouble and a police officer comes to help you, you like those kinds of visits. I've had the first visit. I've had the second visit to this point. I'm thankful I've not had the third kind of visit. The third visit, why are you laughing, Brother Fats? You know what I'm going to say, don't you? I've not had this kind of visit. Open up. We're coming in. We got the SWAT team. We got a warrant. I haven't had that kind of visit, thank the Lord, and I hope I don't ever get one of those. But if, if I said the police officer's coming to visit your house, you could take that a couple different ways. It might depend on what you've been doing. And in Jeremiah chapter 9, this is not a good visit. When God says, I'm going to visit Judah because he's coming to visit them and to punish the sins of his people. Notice in verse number 9, shall I not visit them for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged? God said, I'm coming and I'm going to judge sin. You say, well, how could God do that? How could God, uh, who is a loving God and a caring God and a merciful God, how could God do that? I'll tell you exactly how. Because he's also a holy God. And God's mercy had been extended. And God's grace had been extended. And God's love had been extended. And God's compassion. And God's people would not listen. And because they would not listen, God said, okay, judgment's coming. Verse number 10, Jeremiah said, uh, he describes the fate of Judah. Notice verse 10, weeping and wailing and lamentations. He says in verse number 10, because uh, they are burned up so that none can pass through them. Neither can men hear the voice of the cattle, both the fowl of the heavens and the beasts are fled, they're gone. I'll tell you how bad it was in Judah. You couldn't hear the birds sing. You, you didn't see the wildlife going through Judah. The Bible tells us the only wildlife that would be there, the Bible says that in Judah would be a den of dragons. Now, that's not a fire-breathing uh, dragon that you and I would picture from a cartoon, but that word dragon literally is a jackal. It's a wild dog. And, and the wild dogs would gather, and, and that would be the only animal that would be there because of the desolation and the destruction of Judah. It was a, a, a war zone. Verse number 12, who is the wise man that may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord hath spoken that he may declare it? For what the land perisheth and is burned up like a wilderness that none passeth through. 
Jeremiah says, what happened? How could this be? Uh, how in the world did we get to this place? We were once favored by God. We were once blessed by God. We, we were given the, the word of God, the law. We had the temple and we had the, the holy of holies and the ark of the covenant. And we came and we worshiped God. And how has this happened? What has taken place? The question is asked in verse number 12, who can understand this? Why did this happen? Notice the answer is in verse number 13. And the Lord saith, because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, neither have walked therein, but have walked after the imagination of their own heart and after Balaam, which their fathers taught them. God says, you want to know the answer? How did this happen? How did it come to this? God says, because you forsook my law. Because you wouldn't listen to my warnings. You wouldn't heed my word. You wouldn't do what I set before you. God says, I, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. I set before you life and death. And God's people were admonished to choose life. And instead they chose death. They chose judgment. They cho chose a curse because they refused to obey God. Notice verse 14. God's people, it says they walked after the imagination of their own heart. You know what they did? They did what they wanted to do. They did what they felt like doing. They did it their way. It was their terms. It was their feelings. I, I just feel like this is the right thing to do. Can I tell you, as, as Christians, be very careful making statements like that. Well, I just believe that this is what I needed to do. Okay, good. Show me a, a verse. Show me a scripture. Show me something from the Bible that gives you the, the confidence to say, well, I just had to do that. If you're trusting your heart, we'll get to it in chapter 17, but the heart, and when I say the heart, I, I, I point here, I'm not talking about the, the, the organ that, that pumps the blood. The heart is the control center of your body. It's your mind, it's your will, it's the seat of the emotions. And the heart, the Bible says, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? You say, Pastor, are you talking about me? Yeah, and I'm talking about me too. You know why your heart is so wicked and deceitful? Because you have a sin nature and I have a sin nature. And that old flesh, that old sin nature, it'll convince you to do things that you will look back later and say, what in the world was I thinking? But if you follow the flesh and you don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and you don't allow the word of God to direct you, you will end up in a royal mess. It'll be a fiasco before you know what to do. That's why you don't trust your heart. That's why you trust the Bible. That's why you trust the Lord. That's why you do what he says. But God said your imaginations of your heart, your, uh, that word imagination literally means the stubbornness, the hardness of your heart. You've just done whatever you wanted to do. Verse number 14, you've walked after Balaam. Now, Balaam is a plural form of Baal. 
God's people, they weren't just following after one false god. They were following after many false gods. And can I tell you, once you get started and you get away from God, uh, there's going to be a whole lot of things that will clamor for your attention. There'll be a whole lot of things that will demand your time and demand your energy. That's why Exodus 20 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. None. Zero. Not one. Because if you allow anyone or anything to take the place of God, you'll be in trouble. Just like the people of Judah, they walked after their imaginations of their own heart and after Balaam, which their fathers taught them. The Bible tells us in Joshua 24 that when Joshua was charging the people with the, the, the promised land and when Joshua was giving the final instructions uh, to the people, he said in Joshua 24, 15, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. He said, if you don't think it's a good idea to serve the Lord, he said, then choose you this day whom you will serve. Who are you going to serve? You got to serve somebody and you will serve somebody. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or even on the other side of the Jordan River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. He said, figure it out. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And friend, I want to tell you, you better make that decision because if you don't make that decision, there's going to be a whole lot of other things that you'll follow after. There'll be a whole lot of other people and ideas and, and this, that, and the other that will get your hold, uh, get your, your focus and your worship. Choose you this day whom you will serve. God's people had chosen to serve Balaam and to walk after their own imagination. Verse number 15. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will feed them, even this people with wormwood. Whoa. That doesn't sound like something you want to eat. That doesn't sound like something you want to partake of. And give them water of gall to drink. That word wormwood literally means bitterness. And gall that is found here, this is not the same uh, word that is used in the New Testament when they offered Jesus vinegar with gall to drink. That was a, uh, a drink or that was something that would have numbed the pain or something that would have dulled the pain and Jesus refused it when he tasted it, he didn't want it. Uh, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't wanting to, uh, 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 to, to lessen the pain. He took the pain for you and me. But this word gall literally means anything that is bitter. And you know what God says? Because of your sin, I'm going to feed you. Now, we're not talking about, you know, open wide, you know, pry your mouth open and, you know, spoon feed you. We're not talking about that. But God says, here's what you're going to taste. Here's what you're going to experience. Here's what you're going to get because of your choice to serve Balaam. He said, you're going to get bitterness. You're going to get something that doesn't taste good. You're going to get something that you don't want. You're going to get something that you absolutely, 100%, you will regret. Would you go with me, hold your place in Jeremiah 9, go with me to Proverbs 5. I was uh, reading this, I guess it would have been last week as I was preparing for last Wednesday, and I didn't get this far last Wednesday. But it's Proverbs 5. Would you notice where we see um, a, a similar passage, Proverbs 5, 
It says in Proverbs 5, in verse number 4, we're talking about the strange woman. It says, but her end, Proverbs 5, 4, but her end is bitter as what? Wormwood. Sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Go back to Jeremiah chapter 9 and then turn back a page to Jeremiah 8. Jeremiah 8, verse number 14. Why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves. Let us enter into the defense cities. Let us be silent there. For the Lord our God hath put us to silence and given us water of gall. That's anything bitter. He's given us water of gall to drink because we have sinned against the Lord. You remember last week when we were talking about Lot? How that Lot was in Sodom. And the Bible says that Lot vexed his righteous soul with the wickedness of those people that were in that city. That word vexed. Does anybody remember what that word means? It means to torture or to torment. Lot was literally torturing himself because of the wickedness that he had subjected himself to. Can I remind you, in the Christian life, you and I will not be happy, will not have peace, will not have satisfaction as long as we are backslidden and away from God. The only way you're going to have true happiness and true peace is when you know I'm right with God. I'm living for God. I'm, I'm, there's nothing between my soul and the Savior. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 15, God said, I'm going to give you wormwood and gall. I'm going to give you bitterness. You will regret the fact that you did not choose me. Notice verse number 16. The people were consumed, the Bible says, with the sword. They were destroyed. Verse number 17. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider ye... And call for the mourning women, that is mourning as in weeping. Call for the mourning women that they may come and send for cunning women that they may come and let them make haste and take up a wailing for us that our eyes may run down with tears and our eyelids gush out with waters. This is interesting. In chapter 17, the, or in verse number 17, the people are calling for the mourners to come. Now, that, we don't do that in our society, but in Bible times, that was somewhat common. If there was a funeral or if there was a, a sad time, they would actually hire people, and they were professional people. They were skilled people at weeping and mourning. And I don't know if they thought, well, we just need more people, you know, to make it look bad. I don't know what the deal was, but they said... This is really bad. It's so bad for Judah. We better call some people to come and weep for us. We better call in the professionals to come and weep for us. Now, hang on. Now, that, now, now that to me, it, it, gives the, it gives the indication that God's people, of the people of Judah, were not even willing to weep for themselves. They didn't have enough sense to weep for themselves. Jeremiah wept for them. We saw that in uh, chapter 9, verse number 1. But now they're calling in the professionals. They said, we need somebody to do this for us because this is really bad. I'll tell you this. Be very careful in your Christian life that you don't become guilty of contracting out your Christianity. You say, well, how does that happen? Sometimes we do it with our kids. We do it with our children. 
We say, I'm responsible to teach my children the Bible, but I know what I'll do. I'll let the Sunday school teachers do it. Well, Sunday school teachers will do a great job, but it's not their responsibility to teach your children. It's yours. Pastor's pals, I'll bring them on Sunday night, and I hope you bring them Sunday night to Pastor's Pals. I hope you bring them to Children's Choir on uh, Sunday night with Miss Kelly and her workers and, and let them learn the songs and sing. I hope you'll do that. I hope you bring them Wednesday night to Master Clubs and hope you bring them to uh, Kids Crusade and all the great times and put them in the nursery and let the nursery workers teach them. That is all extra. That is all reinforcing what you're teaching at home and what I'm teaching at home. Sometimes we do that uh, with our, our Christian lives is we, 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 we like to call in the professionals. And we like to, well, I'll let so-and-so do this, or I'll have so-and-so do this, or here's one. I need you to put so-and-so on the prayer list. Guess what? It's a great thing to do. That's why we have a prayer list. But putting somebody on the prayer list does not excuse you or excuse me from praying for them. Here's one, I've heard this one before. I need you to go and I need you to witness to this person. And by the way, that's a great thing. And sometimes people have tried and, people, and it takes a different voice or maybe it takes someone else to witness and I'm happy to do that. But can I tell you, that doesn't excuse you or that does not excuse me from being a witness. Well, praise the Lord, we've got soul winners in our church. Amen for that. But soul winners in our church should not be a select few. Soul winners in our church ought to be every born-again child of God. And you may not be able to come to every organized meeting or every event, but can I tell you, we ought to be witnesses 24-7 everywhere we go because it's our responsibility. They called in the professionals when the truth is they should have been weeping for themselves. Verse number 19 you say, well, I thought they weren't weeping for themselves. But verse 19 says, for a voice of wailing is heard out of Zion. How are we spoiled? We are greatly confounded because we have forsaken the land because our dwellings have cast us out. Notice what happens here, verse number 19. God's people, they were wailing, but not over their sin. They were wailing over the consequences, and there's a big difference. And I tell you, many times our, our sorrow is over the consequences rather than the fact that it was our sin that breaks the heart of God. I remember with my, my dad, my mom, what it was like this too, but my dad was the one who dealt with us more in discipline. And I'm thankful, too, because when my mom got a hold of a wooden spoon, watch out. She did break a wooden spoon. It wasn't on me. I'm glad for that. But we, we just, we knew. Yeah, Reagan. <laughs> just be glad she's the Nana and not the Mama. Because she seems sweet. But let me tell you, I, we've, yeah, we got some stories. Where was I going? Oh, the discipline. But my dad, I will tell you this, my dad, he, we, we, we got spankings growing up. We didn't, we didn't know about time out and sit in the corner and all that stuff. We, we got it. And many of you in this room, you know what I'm talking about. But we got spankings and we got discipline. But 
I remember to me, for me, most of the time, the thing that hurt me the most was when I knew that what I had done had hurt my dad. When I knew that something I had said or something I did disappointed my dad. And there were times where he would be crying as he was spanking me. And of course, we always heard that famous line, it's gonna hurt me more than it's gonna hurt you. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But to be, to be very truthful, it was my dad's tears that I would see that would hurt me more than the discipline. You know, as Christians, I'm afraid sometimes we get real comfortable with our sin. It's not a big deal until we get caught and we get in trouble. But I want to tell you, that's not the proper fear of God. Proper fear of God is not fear what God will do to hurt us, but fear of what we might do to hurt Him. God's people had no sorrow over their sin. They only had sorrow over the consequences. Verse 21, the death of the nation has come. Verse 22, the Bible tells us that the carcasses would be abundant. Then I want to close with verse number 23 and 24. Thus saith the Lord. Here's, here's a takeaway. We've seen in this lesson tonight, one I'd say is to learn from the example of others. Don't, don't follow the pattern and the path of the people of Judah. I'd say this, look down the road. Uh, see, see what's coming. You're making a decision today, but don't make that decision based upon today. Make that decision based upon where's this road going to lead me. But then I'd say this, weep over sin, not just consequences. Have a, a brokenness over your sin, that your sin breaks the heart of God, that your sin would hurt your spouse, that your sin would hurt your child, that your sin would hurt your parents. A weep over the sin, not just the consequences. And then lastly, I'd say in verse number 23, thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, and let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Here's what this, these verses are saying. Many times we, we glory or we boast or we're real, we're real proud of our accomplishments or our success, but God says, do not glory in your wisdom. You know what we would, we would uh, attribute to wisdom would be a degree, and I'm not against degrees. I think degrees are wonderful uh, as long as they don't take you away from God. Uh, education's a wonderful thing, but education's not more important than what we're gonna talk about. Uh, having a high IQ or having a great GPA or having scholarships. I think those are wonderful, but those are not the most important. Let's move on. Then it says, let not the mighty man glory in his might. I think being in good physical shape, I think that's a wonderful thing. I think there's profit in that, but that's not the most important thing. I think physical stamina and endurance and accomplishments and, 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 and hard work, those are great and do not get this wrong. Those are fine, but they're not the most important. They're not the things that you really need to glory in. And then riches, riches, hey, if you've got riches and you can use them to glorify the Lord and use them to help your family and use them to be a blessing to others, that's wonderful. But don't glory in your riches. 
Just because you've got a bank account or you've got retirement accounts or IRA or 401k or, 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 or lots of money or lots of houses, that's not the most important thing. Here's what God says. If you're going to glory, if there's something that you're going to uh, claim as a great accomplishment, he said, here it is. Glory in this, that you understand and know God. There's no greater accomplishment in this life than to know God. And you say, I know him, I got saved. Me too. But it doesn't end there. Getting saved takes you to heaven. Getting saved gives you eternal life. But there's so much more to the Christian life. There's so many more blessings. When you get to know God, oh, I tell you, that's when you know peace. When you get to know God, that's when you know joy and happiness and fulfillment. And the closer you get to God, boy, I tell you, the less the things of this world really matter. The less the burdens and the problems and the trials of this life really matter. When you get to know God, when you turn your eyes on Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I would say the Apostle Paul was a man that knew God pretty well. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 to, to young Timothy, his son in the faith, he said, uh, uh, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For he said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Paul said, I know God. I know I'm convinced. I'm persuaded that he's going to take care of me. But Paul also said this in Philippians 3. He said, my desire, he said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. He goes on two verses later and he says, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm pressing, I'm striving, I am straining, I am reaching to know God and do his will. And friend, I want to tell you that's where you can glory. And that's where you can say, hallelujah, my life has had purpose and meaning. Not because of wisdom, not because of riches, not because of might, but because I know God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.